Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, called Pass It On. Now, sometimes to be uh, fair, a child loses respect for their parent because the parent goes through a divorce or there's some inconsistency in that parent's life. And we need to do our best as parents to earn your respect, but at the same time, you have to give us the grace to know that we're imperfect as well. And so somewhere along there, there's the balance because you want us to give you grace. You know, we always want grace for ourselves, but we're not always willing to give it out as much as we want to get it for ourselves. And so a person who grows up with a sense of respect uh, for and obedience to his parents will have the foundation for respecting the authority of other leaders and the rights of other people in general. A godly family produces a godly society. It's been said that in a Chinese proverb, and sometimes these things have some truth in them, that someone plants a seed in one generation and the next generation enjoys its shade. You know what I'm saying? What it means is when there's the right conduct and morals, the next generation enjoys the previous one's morals and standards. It gets passed along. To honor our parents means to love them, to regard them highly, I'm quoting, to show them respect and consideration. While we may outgrow the call to obey our parents, we never outgrow the obligation to honor them. This is where our culture is fast failing. The aged are shelved and patronized, but not respected. Grown-up children dishonor their parents by forgetting them and neglecting them, close quote. You know, it's easy to marginalize a parent or a grandparent once they get older, but we know that if our culture is going to get back to God's values, we should take care of the aged. We should do our best to honor them all the way through their lives. Look at verse 3, that it may be well with you. If you do this, it'll go well for you. You could write down Deuteronomy 5.33, 6.3 and verse 18. There's a lot of other verses, but that it may be well with you means that you'll be joyful It will be beneficial, there'll be positive results, you'll gain favor, and you'll be happy. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be happy? Then do what God says, and you'll have a good life. It won't be perfect, but it'll be the right life. And so this promise, says Wycliffe, was originally made to Israel. Paul's reference to it here shows its application for all believers, this, may be, this must be taken as a continuation of the quotation from the law, not as a direct application to the believer in the present time. Although the principle is always true, the soon coming of the Lord rather than a long life is the Christian's blessed hope. But I think you get the idea. The principle applies. You will have blessings attached if you walk the right way. It says in Proverbs 10.27, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 30, verse 17 says, The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Close quote. Wow. Proverbs 4, verses 10 through 13 say, Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I've directed you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in upright paths. 
When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. I don't know if I can emphasize it uh, greatly enough that wisdom is the practical living out of truth. And if you walk wisely, God says you'll have a good long life and you'll fulfill his plan for your life. Now it's going to swing from the children to the parents and all the teenagers said, praise God, amen. All right, verse four. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but here's the positive, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now we're going to spend our last few minutes on verse four because verse four is packed and the Greek word for fathers is pateres. It could be used of parents in general, but fathers were usually seen as the main disciplinarian and instructor in the house, but that's really not true uh, throughout the years. We know that moms have great influence, so we could take it here as parents. Parents do not provoke your children to anger. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of angry children. Their anger comes out in songs. It comes out in different ways. Uh, I know that for me personally, some of you don't know this about me, my father left our home when I was four years old. He cheated on my mom, stole from the family business, and called me one time in the next um, 30 years. The one time he called me on the phone was he thought he had had a heart attack, and I was about maybe 16 or 17 at the time. He thought he was dying, so he made a promise to come and visit me and my sister. He lived in Chicago, and we were out here in Southern California. Once my dad found out that it was kind of a false uh, alarm, he didn't really have a heart attack, he never called again and never visited us. That's my experience with my dad. I had a second father that came into my life when I was eight or nine years old. His name was Bill. Great guy. He was a salesman for Color Tile, uh, one of these old tile places, and always had a lot of money. He was buying me all this sports equipment. So I thought he was pretty cool. Taught me how to bowl, came to my baseball games. Well, it turned out that Bill always had a lot of money because he was a bank robber. <laughs> one, this is my actual history. One day we were in our apartment. Bill had been shaving. I wanted a dad so desperately in my life that I had started to use his last name in, in elementary school before he had ever adopted me. His last name was Pointer, so I was known as Mike Pointer at the time because that's what I called myself. So one day, there's a knock at the door. The FBI is at my door. Bill has shaving cream on his face. He's handcuffed and whisked away by the FBI. They sit down at the kitchen table with my mom and show her photographs of my stepdad robbing, I think it was a Bank of America. The only disguise he used was a fake goatee. They knew him because he had been going into convenience stores and it came out later in the newspaper that my stepdad was known as the Dr. Pepper Bandit. He would go into convenience stores, buy a can of Dr. Pepper, and he would have a revolver behind it and he would hold up all these liquor stores. And so they took him away and they showed my mom the bank photos and she said, and she said, yeah, that's him. This is your husband. This is how he gets all the extra cash for that cool sports equipment that you've got. Do we have to give it back? I said to the FBI, no, I didn't say that. Just kidding. But anyway, and so we've, I remember visiting him in some outside picnic benches in the prison, and my mom eventually divorced him. 
And that was my second dad. And then my mom remarried later in life when I was a teenager. I'll tell you this, though. I had a lot of anger about the dysfunction in my home. And it came out in different ways. It came out in some emotional distress when I was younger, headaches and eye problems. Doctors couldn't figure it out. And then it came out in, I would go into the weight room and I was always, I had a chip on my shoulder, so I'd work out. And I was always trying to prove somebody wrong. And I think it was my dad. Now, I'm not into pop psychology and all that stuff, but I'll tell you this. A dad's influence on a child's life is huge. And when it's missing, there is a huge gap. And I was so confused because I didn't know what had happened to my first dad. So I think I internalized that. And then the second dad, I saw that stuff happen. And the third uh, situation was not very smooth because it was later in a mixed household with teenagers on both sides. And it just wasn't pretty. And I know what it means to have a father who is not there and to not have that influence and not have that input and not be able to go to a dad and say, Dad, I can't figure this one out. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Or to have somebody, a male in my life, who was holding my feet to the fire and saying, this is the way to go, son. Let me show you the way. I didn't have that. And that's part of my passion today for my own three boys is to be a present parent in their life because I know how important it is that a father is in their lives. I want you you to hear a testimony. This is from a Christian father. It's in MacArthur's commentary on Ephesians. A Christian father confesses. My family's all grown. The kids are all gone. But if I had to do it over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, if I had it to do all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use it to direct them to God. Close quote. I once visited a young woman writes John MacArthur, who was confined to a padded cell and was in a state of catatonic shock. She was a Christian and had been raised in a Christian family, but her mother had ceaselessly pushed her to be the most popular, beautiful, and successful girl in school. She became the head cheerleader, the homecoming queen, and later she became a model. But the pressure to excel became too great, and she had a complete mental collapse. After she was eventually released from the hospital, she went back into the same artificial and demanding environment. When again she, when again, uh, she found she could not cope, she committed suicide. She had summed up her frustration when she told me one day, writes MacArthur, I don't care what it is I do, I can never satisfy my mother. Close quote. Wow. Parents, don't provoke your children to anger. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. I don't care what it is I do. I can never satisfy my mother, close quote. Wow. Parents, don't provoke your children to anger. The word provoke has the idea, uh, it's the same word for anger. It means to exasperate them. Let me just give you a few suggestions as we close. Um, An ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up in a deep-seated anger is the word here for don't provoke them to anger. It's a resentment that boils over time and grows more and more hostility. They need strong guidance, but they don't need overprotection and distrust. That's something that we need to learn as parents. The second thing is they need uh, encouragement as much as they need correction. It says in verse 4, would you notice, but bring them up. And that phrase uh, stuck out to me. We need to bring them up, uh, not down. And so as much as we do discipline our children and tell them when they're wrong, we also need to be encouragers of our children. And uh, again, nobody's claiming perfection here, but the NIV says don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We need to balance healthy discipline with healthy correction but not cry over all the spilled milk that happens, although sometimes we've all been in that situation. They need direction. We need to direct them in the way that they should go, Proverbs 22.6. We need to give them goals and, and encourage achievement, but not achievement at all cost. If you're trying to live your childhood dream through your son or daughter because you didn't quite make it, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. They're going to be what God has called them to be. You want them to be the best that they can be, but God has a plan for their life. Encourage them in the way that they should go. If you find that one child is good at sports and another child enjoys the arts, then encourage them in the way that they should go. And that's something that we all have to learn over time as well. There are many things that can exasperate our children. Favoritism, demanding too much, never being pleased, having unreasonable expectations and having them feel as if we've neglected them and we don't care about them. So we need to balance love and discipline. Josh McDowell said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Children are to be obedient to their parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord, Colossians 3, 20 and 21. And fathers, don't exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Harvard University sociologists Sheldon and Eleanor Gluick developed a test that proved 90% accurate, listen to this, to determine whether or not five and six-year-olds would become delinquents. They discovered that four primary factors necessary to prevent delinquency are, here they go, number one, a father's firm, fair, and consistent discipline. Number two, the mother's supervision and companionship during the day. Number three, 
The parents demonstrated affection for each other and for the children. Number four, the family spending time together in activities where all participated. Did that sound like rocket science to you? You know what I wrote in my notes after that? Duh. Duh. Like, show your wife that you love her in front of your kids and show them that they're valuable and eat some meals together and spend some time having fun together and be as consistent as you can with the discipline and affection. Of course, kids can be um, exasperated by verbal abuse, by physical abuse. We all know uh, these things that can happen in the home. But when I read this great study by Harvard, I went, duh. It seems so basic. And yet somewhere along the line, we've missed it. We have somehow lost our way. And we need to get back to basics. And the Lord's given us a blueprint. He says, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think the word discipline is pretty clear to us. The discipline and instruction of the Lord The word actually means to put in the mind by training by word. Bring them up in the uh, training and instruction of the Lord. The word for training there or discipline has the idea of educating or training the mind, cultivating the mind, either by correction and encouragement. It's a strong word which speaks of educating, tutoring. Uh, We are all homeschoolers. You know that, right? doesn't matter if your kid's in public school. We're teaching them stuff at home. And when we bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, I think that the household will be on solid ground. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Your word does give us clear direction. It is very relevant for our time. Forgive us for the times that we've ignored it. Forgive us for the times that we have not applied it. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to submit to it and to accomplish it. You've not left us alone to do this. You say, be filled with the Spirit. And Father, we're so grateful for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I know in a room like this, and I know as people will listen to this later on the internet or even the radio, that there are many broken people, many wounded hearts, many regrets. We cannot change the past but we can make the most of today. And we can certainly chart a course for the future. As many days as you give us, we can plant our flag and say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way from this point forward. Now, Lord, for many of us in this room, we've been trying to do it your way and we have some little tweaks to do. Many in this room, it's not about an overhaul, it's about a tune-up. And if that's uh, most of the folks here tonight, I pray you'd give them a tune-up and Help them to make little tweaks to adjust to what you said tonight. There may be some in here who need a major overhaul. There may be all kinds of pain and wounds and regrets. The Bible says that you are the father of the fatherless and the defender of widows. Not everybody has a dad in this room. Not everybody has a present father. Not everybody has an engaged mom and dad who are Involved. Some have gone through divorce. Some are suffering with some hidden pain that they have pushed down. 
And so, Father, I just pray since you're the great healer, one of the promises that I have stood upon looking back at my own history is that you were my father in the fatherless days. And you came to my rescue. Saved me. Set my feet upon solid ground. Many of us who are moms and dads in this room can say we've learned how to parent from you. We've seen other earthly models, but you've been the main one that showed us the way. So may we pass it on. May we show those who are coming behind us the way. May we leave some footprints that they can follow so that they won't be confused about what they're supposed to do or who they're supposed to be. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Help us to be patient with ourselves and with one another when we fall short. But would you bring healing, Lord, to every soul? For those who are crying out on the inside, for what could have been, may you meet them right where they are. May you put salve on the wounds and minister your grace. And where there's an opportunity for healing and correction, may you give us the courage to take those steps. For this is right. This is the right thing to do. So Father, let your living waters just flow over your people tonight. If you're here and you've not met Christ, he's a prayer away. He wants to save you and change your heart. So cry out to him. You don't have to have perfect words, but just say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Pray right now if it's you. Save me, Lord. Change me. I believe he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Be my Savior and be my Lord. Make me your child and teach me your ways. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, would you stand? They're going to do a last song for us. And as you stand, I want to share one more thing. Um, I was listening to uh, a man who served at Focus on the Family for many years, H.B. London. And he had a, his dad was a pastor, but his dad was always gone. And uh, there was just never a relationship there. And he said uh, he got a phone call after burying his dad uh, his dad was in the hospital and suddenly died. And so he said, he buried his dad. They had the service. He said all these people stood up and said nice things about his dad. But frankly, his dad was missing in action. And his dad had had a moral failure uh, along the journey. And so there just wasn't a relationship. So he got a phone call from the cemetery. And the cemetery said, what do you want on your dad's tombstone? And he thought for a minute and he didn't know what to say. And so he said, put on there, he was a good preacher. And man, that just hit my heart. He said, I couldn't think of calling him a beloved father, loving husband, loving dad. That wasn't true of him. Just put on there, he was a good preacher. Now I'm a pastor listening to this, so of course this hits me really close to home. And so he said years and years had gone by. And he remembered being in the hospital and Uh, when his dad, uh, I think, was dying or had just died. And he he said these words, Dad, if only it could have been different. And then his dad died. And so years passed, and he was back in this location where the grave was. And he said, you know, 
What happened to the, the headstone or tombstone is what happens over time. You know, dirt and all that built up over time. And so he found himself on his hands and knees at this grave and he began to scrape off the dirt off the grave. And once he got everything off, he read the, the tombstone and the tombstone said he was a great preacher. And he said every time this memory hit him, he went back to when he was eight years old. And he said, oh, dad, if only it could have been different. And he, was, he said at this point he was, I think, in his 50s. And so here's my final word to you. Don't be stuck in that situation. Don't be at a grave someday saying, I wish it could have been different. Or don't have it be your grave and have somebody looking down at the headstone saying, I wish it could have been different. You have breath in your lungs. You have today and whatever God gives you. Use it. Amen? Use it to follow God's plan. You've been listening to Pass It On, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's a great way to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks! And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 6, verses 5-9, through 9, called, Giving Your Best for God. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.